Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Nicole and I are very excited to be here, and we are going to be presenting our 2019 Holiday Gift Guide. If you listened to this episode last year, you know the drill. What we do is not like a total comprehensive gift guide for every person on your list, but we have picked out a couple of categories that we each think we have the ideal gift for. We have not shared our categories with each other. So we're just going to alternate. And if we have a book of our own to add to each other's category, we will do that too. But again, this is not meant to be every book under the sun that would make a good gift this year, but hopefully you'll find some people on your list that match the different categories. Before we do that, Nicole, should we hop into what we've been reading? We have a lot to catch up on. We do have a lot to catch up on. I feel like we haven't talked in quite a bit. We had a little bit of a switch in how we have, we've, I think we've been posting episodes every couple of weeks just because of circumstances on the home front not being ideal for recording. So fortunately, we had a couple in the can that you've been hearing, but this is the first time I think that Gail and I have recorded a show in, a, in a, at least a month, probably, if not more. Yeah. So we do have a lot to catch up on. There were some books that I had been mentioning a lot that I had been struggling to read or struggling to finish reading. So I've actually finished reading some of those books and discussed them this week. Gail, do you have an idea of what were some of the last books that you've discussed? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what we talked about here on the show. I think we talked about, I don't want to go back too far. I know we, we did our Nickel Boys discussion. So I'll just do a couple of the books I've read since the Nickel Boys. Did we discuss I'll Give You the Sun? I can't no, remember what we did or not. I don't think we discussed that on the air. I think. Okay. Okay. So I read <laughs> I'll Give You the Sun, which I, <laughs> I read it for the Everyday I Write the Book Reading Challenge um, for the category of books coming out as movies in 2019. And when I went to write up my blog post on it, I was going to link to either the trailer or the movie. And I learned that there is not no movie version of this book coming out in 2019. I think I had it mixed up with another book. I think that you were thinking of not I'll give you the sun, but the sun is also a star. The sun is also a star. Yes, I did that because they're both YA and they both I don't know. Involve the elements. They both have sun in the title. Right, right. I have to say, I was extremely irritated at myself and also because I actually really, really hated that book. I hated I'll Give You the Sun and it, it had taken me forever to get through it because I really didn't like it. And um, I was like so irritated that I'm counting it for that category anyway. I the, My reading challenge, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> no one's keeping track other than me. So who cares? So anyway, I didn't really like that book at all. I thought it was unrealistic and um, very dramatic and uh, unnecessarily relentlessly depressing. And there were weird plot points that made no sense. So I- I'm I'm just not a fan of that book at all. And I know a lot of people are. And if you go on Goodreads, there's people who are like, this book is my life. It's the best book I've ever read. And I, <laughs> not your I'm life. just not... 
It's not my, I'm not the intended audience. I finished that one. I was really happy to be finished with it because there were books piling up that I really wanted to read. And so the next book I read was The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, which I greatly enjoyed. Um, as you know, I had been looking forward to reading that and I really, really liked it. So that's a book about a brother and a sister who grow up in this very fancy and unique house outside of Philadelphia and uh, their father dies and doesn't leave a will and their stepmother who has moved into the Dutch house, a very opportunistic and shrewish woman moves into the Dutch house with her two daughters. And then she basically kicks the kids out. One of them has already moved out. She's, she's grown and she's living in an apartment, but the boy, the younger brother was still living at home. He's in high school and he gets kicked out of his house. It's classic Ann Patchett, very character driven. I love her depiction of family dynamics. Uh, I just love the way she tells a story. And I, I really, really enjoyed that book a lot. I've read kind of a similar book after that, Ask Again, Yes. And I'm going to hold my comments on that because we are going to be discussing that book for our December book club. So I will not say much. It's funny that in some ways the plots of those two books have some overlap. They Ask Again, Yes reminded me a bit of The Dutch House, but um, it is a it is a pretty different book. And so I'm going to put a pin in the Ask Again, Yes conversation until we get there. And then I'm reading now two nonfiction books, which it's nonfiction November, seemed like a good time to read nonfiction. And one of them I have to read very slowly because it is The other, the Only Plane in the Sky, The Oral History of 9-11 by Garrett Graff. And it is such an intense read that I can't read a whole lot of it at one time. It's about obviously 9-11. It's told through people who lived it. And people who lived it very immediately, people who were in the towers, um, people who were air traffic control, people who were in the Pentagon. It's just a very, very intense read. So I can do like 10 to 15 pages of it at a time, but then I can't sometimes like if it's right before bed, I kind of have to put it down. And then the other book I'm reading is called One Day by Gene Weingarten. He is a journalist at the Washington Post. And it has a really interesting premise. He picked randomly had people pick out of a hat a day in the last 20 years or the last 30 years, I guess. And he decided to write a whole bunch of st- – to research a whole bunch of stories that happened on that day, just to find a day in history and then find noteworthy s- stories that are worth people's attention. And the day ended up being December 28th, 1986, just kind of random. And I'm it's I'm about halfway through and I'm really liking it. So it's just different stories that happen on that exact day. He doesn't take days from different years, just 1986. Yeah, just that day. And he traces, for example, the one I'm in right now, there was a fire in, I don't know, somewhere in the Midwest. I can't remember where it was. And there was a baby that was rescued from the fire who got horribly disfigured. And this, that chapter is about that guy's life. So it's, it doesn't just focus only on that day. It focuses on what happened since. That sounds really good. It is really good. I mean, it's a little uneven, like not every chapter is as compelling as the others because it's just a, it's a collection of very random things that happened. But I I just, it's kind of an admirable way. I'd love to hear more about how he researched it, how he actually found the stories, identified them, how he researched it. And I just, I'm really enjoying it. I had been at the point where I was just in pretty much a major reading slump. I think I've been trying to re- finish Patsy Forever by mm-hmm. Nicole Dennis Ben. 
I don't remember whether I had finished it by the time that we last spoke, but I did finish Patsy. Yeah, I don't think we did because I don't remember. I'm not sure I heard, ever heard your final word on it. I mean, I really liked her writing. I really liked her first book, I think, a lot better. I think that where you are, depend, you know, where you are in your life and what's going on in your life at the point that you're reading a book can inform a lot of how you perceive and enjoy the book. And the last couple of months in my life have just been hectic with family things, you know, whether there's been a death in the family or just unexpected troubles, troublesome issues popping up with family members and things that have been on my mind. So I really was not in a place, I think, where, and I think the books that I happened to be reading were just filled with darkness, which are better tolerated and absorbed when you're on a more even keel in life. Mm-hmm. My state of mind definitely impacted how I read this book, Patsy, but I also felt like it was long and it was unrelenting in its grimness. It is about a Jamaican woman who has the opportunity to come to the United States. You know, she comes on a visa. She ends up staying on as, as someone who's who doesn't have any papers and her visa has expired. She has come to be with her lover, a girl that she had a relationship when they were teenagers. And they have been writing letters in the intermittent years. And Patsy leaves her daughter in order to come and to pursue this life in the United States with this woman. And when she gets there, things are not as she expected them to be. It's how she navigates that life without having papers, how harrowing it is to find a job. I mean, I just felt like there was just so little joy in this book. And I didn't feel like I needed a lot, but I wanted some moments where it wasn't completely tragic. The other half of the novel is told from the perspective of her daughter who has been left behind. She first leaves her when she's five years old. And the story spans 10 to 15 years, I believe, as Patsy is working in the United States and her daughter has been left with her father and, you know, is growing up really missing her mother and dealing with some things in her own life where she really could have used a mother and miss misses her mother. So this story is, it's not like, it's not light. There's very little levy in it. I found, or it takes a very long time to get to it. She definitely does a good job of painting what it is like to grow up in Jamaica, the immigrant experience in the United States. Like I said, I feel like I cannot be as accurate or can't really separate how much of this was my own mood coinciding with the book. So I feel like in some ways I'm not, I can't accurately convey whether it was too much, but I just did find it to be very unrelentingly dark for a very long time, but well-written. Okay. So maybe right book, wrong time. I read a book that's coming out in January of 2020. It's coming out January 7th. It's Long Bright River by Liz Moore. I really enjoyed that novel, even though it was, I don't know, I was going through a stretch of just like dark stories. (laughs) This one is, it is about two sisters grow up in Philadelphia. Their mother dies of an overdose when they're young and it has different effects on them. Like one sister gets very involved in the life. You know, she gets caught up with, with opioids and, and drugs. And one sister becomes a police officer. And 
she stays in the neighborhood, the same neighborhood, basically, maybe a town or within the town that she grew up with in Philadelphia. She has a young son, and she is involved in the police force, a bit of a loner, but she really feels an affinity, of course, for the women who live on the streets. And someone is preying on and murdering women, you know, vulnerable women on the streets, one of which is her sister. So it's all about her drive to find her sister before, you know, her sister falls victim to whoever is terrorizing and killing the young women, working women up. It is told in those back and forth between time periods as you see the sisters grow up, what splintered their relationship and what led them to live the lives that they're currently living. And in present day, it's about her search for her sister. Don't know that I've heard of Liz Moore. You know, she's not someone who registered as an author I had been aware of, but she's written a couple of other books. This one I th- was really good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not like, it's not a happy book by any means, but it's just in terms of being a well-told detective novel and covering a lot of different perspectives, the opioid crisis in Philadelphia, you know, being a woman on the police force, being a single mother, trying to raise her son in the midst of this. Um, so I think it's definitely a novel that you'll be hearing about in in the new year. All right. Well, that catches us up. I feel like I have to share. I'm at the end and painful end of the um, every day I write the book reading challenge. I have three categories left and I'm trying to read one of them and it's, I'm like just so stalled. I should probably just stop, but, um, the three categories I have are self-help and I'm going to read that skin book, you know, the skincare book. So that's fine. And Pulitzer, which I'm going to read the short stories by Jhumpa Lahiri. So that's fine. And I've got to do that in December, but the is it the birth yes. year book? The birth year book has presented just a huge challenge. And the book I ended up picking was a kid was a kid's book called Charlotte Sometimes, which of course just reminds me of the cure song. And I like I just I can't I can't do it. I don't know why. Like it's not very long. And I should be able to just sit down. And I like between the 9-11 book that I can't read that much of. And then one day, which I'm doing on audio, I need something to just grab me. Like I definitely need some fiction right now. And that one is not Mm -hmm. doing it. So as a result, I'm like just stalled on like the, on the reading front. So I need to either abandon ship on Charlotte sometimes and find another birth year, or I just need to stick it out and just get it done or just take a pause for a week so I can kind of jumpstart reading again. Um, but it, cause I kind of feel like once I finish ask again, yes, I haven't had that like propelling thing that the nine eleven book is great, but I like, I was lying in bed the other night trying to go to bed and reading it. And the next chapter was called jumping. And I'm sure you can guess what that was about. And I was oh. like, I, I, I can't do this right now. Cause I just knew I wouldn't be able to sleep right. after that. So, um, I just, I need, so that's where I am. So I'll, I'll figure it out, but I'm. I'm thinking ahead to the next year's reading challenge for every day. I write the book reading challenge and I'm going to be very, very picky about the categories and it has to be, it has to be stuff that I'm going to be excited to read. Cause I have found too much of it to be a, a chore, which was not the point. A challenge, Yeah. A challenge, but like not an enjoyable one. And that's not the point of it. So I'm going to be very, 
the categories are going to be things like a book you've always wanted to read, but keep overlooking. So it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it's not going to force you too far down the road of books that you really wouldn't read otherwise, but it'll just get books that'll give you a good excuse to read. So anyway, that's where, that's where I am with that. And I'll, I'm sure the next time we talk, I'll, I'll have made some progress, but that's, that's the current status. I find yourself going through things or busier than usual. And we really don't read in a vacuum. Right. So good luck finding a new book if that's what you decide. Thank you. All right. So should we hop into the gift guide? Yes. So should we just go through our categories? Yes. Okay. I will start with my first one. And you had mentioned that you might include some things that are not necessarily books. So in this category, I have a few things that are not actually books. Um, my category is for the audiobook junkie. So the person you know who loves to listen to audio, maybe they also love podcasts, but they're constantly ingesting media on their phone. I have two recommendations of gifts to get them. Um, the first one is something that I splurged on this year, which I really held off on, but then I decided, you know, I was worth it. And I bought myself a pair of Apple AirPods and I really, mm-hmm. I really like them. So they're the little white earbuds that you see people wearing that stick out of your ear. that make people look really stupid. But, um, what's great about them is first of all, they stay in and they're not uncomfortable. And secondly, they are just seamless. Like they, your phone just kind of picks them up pretty quickly. Like occasionally I'll have to like reactivate Bluetooth and tell it to, to re, you know, reconnect, but that doesn't happen very often. And I, I feel like I've tried so many different earbuds and things I like to run in. And like, I always have problems with them. And these, like I've had the least amount of problems and they don't fall out when I run, which is huge. Cause I can run for like an hour and I don't even notice them. And the sound is great. So I recommend AirPods. And then the second thing. That is so funny because I had that. I had a recommendation not for earpods because sometimes those hurt my ears, but I found ones. I, I like the Tranya ones. Oh. That fit in your ear. It, it's really easy to pick up. They were really affordable. Um, you know how sometimes when your ears are blocked and you get like a weird sound, it, you can like hear yourself running or mm-hmm. you hear yourself walking. I haven't found that those these do that. And they're so affordable. They're like $49.99. I got a couple of pairs so that I'm not caught without them. Like I can leave a pair at work and I have a pair at home and they stay in. Like you said, they pair very easily. And every now and then, like in order to reset them, I put them back in my case, but that was also going to be one of my recommendations. So that's really funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, Tell me the um... ones. I was just going to say, tell me the um, the brand name again. It's Tranya, T-R-A-N-Y-A, True Wireless Earbuds. Okay. And they have a bunch of different brands. I think I have the upgraded T1s that are $49.99, but they're all like $49.99 to, you know, I don't know, $70 or whatever, which is why I was just like, oh, I'm going to get a couple of pairs. And I got a pair for my mother and my aunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. My uncle. So it's like... Everyone in the family has them and um, they're spreading like wildfire because I really love them. And I think I first got them for my uncle 
who had been looking for something and he really liked them. So now the entire family has them. That is definitely a more affordable option than the AirPods. I think I got the AirPods on um, Amazon Prime Day. And I guess I paid like $130 for them or something. So yours are definitely more affordable than the AirPods. And of course, I'm always panicked. I'm going to lose them because they're expensive and I'm going to get annoyed. Yeah, I like that about these. That I'm just like, if I leave them somewhere, because there was one time where I lost one in my apartment somewhere. And I just bought another pair and it showed up and it was like not a big deal. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that I could have three pairs of these for the one. And I don't know. I mean, I have Apple everything, so I would have had no problems with the earbuds, but I just don't like them. They don't fit. They're not a good fit for my ear. Yeah. I like that this has the four different type of, um, the four different earbuds, the four different sizes. So, you know, I have a, I think my ears Yeah, I do recommend small, if so you, you want to get. Size. To try the Apple um, AirPods, then borrow someone else's for like 10 minutes and just put them in because they don't come in different sizes. They're just one size. So find someone who you feel comfortable asking this request of and then just wear them for 10 minutes and <laughs> see how they feel because everyone's ears are different. And I, I, mean, right. I lucked out that they fit me fine, but I can see, you know, there's probably plenty of people for whom they don't fit. So. So funny. Okay. So what's your other audio Book junkie. Okay, so my other yeah. one has an asterisk next to it. My other one for audiobook junkies is a subscription to Scribd. And I've had a subscription to Scribd, which I got as a gift from my friend Tawana last year. And it's been great. And the great and thing about Scribd, it, right? I did renew it. And what's great about Scribd is it gives you unlimited access to audiobooks and digital downloads. It's I'm not sure it's entirely unlimited because I have heard of people who have said that they've tried to download something and it'll say, oh, you've hit your limit or something, or you have to wait a few more days before you can do this. I've never had that problem because I don't listen that quickly and I don't read um, digital, I don't read ebooks. So I only use it for audio, but we don't have to, um, I, I don't have to uh, like plan really far ahead and get on holds. I don't have to move my, I, I can listen to what I want when I want because it's always available. I don't have to. It's not a, li a limited number of copies. And if I don't like something, I just move on. Like I feel like with Audible or something, you're paying per, per credit, whereas here it's unlimited. So if I listen to something and then I say, oh, you know, I'd rather do this in print or I switch to the print and then I decide I'm going to just finish it in print. I don't feel like I'm wasting my money because I bought the audio. So I really like it. The only issue is a Starting about a month or two ago, I started having some technical problems with it where it, I would be in the middle of an audiobook and then I would try to pull it up and it would tell me it would give me an error. And that was happening a lot. And I actually wrote to their their support team and I said, I'm having trouble with these books. And they said, this is a known problem. We're working on it. We're really sorry. And they actually emailed me back last week and they said that they have fixed it. So I'm just going to put that little caveat that I, this is the first time I've had a problem with Scribd and, you know, they say they've addressed it and I just need and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving it an unequivocal support like I would have done if we'd done this two months ago, but I, it, assuming that they've actually addressed whatever the problem was, then it's fine. And the problem was not extending to the web. So if I would listen, if I accident on my, it was fine. It was fine. It was just in the app that it was having the issue. Yeah. Kudos to them for having good customer support. They get back to you that they're aware of the issue and stuff yes. happens. Yeah. They've been very proactive. So it happens. I need that 
we, we are an app company. Um, that's what we do. And I know things happen. Um, and I know, I know how hard people work on the other end when there are issues. And I, I respect that they were, you know, clearly addressing it and that they were very good about getting back in touch with me. So I can't remember how much a subscription to Scribd is. It's not, it's not unreasonable at all, given if you are a heavy audiobook user, it's not, and you can gift it. Isn't it something? I mean, I think it's like somewhere between nine ninety nine and twelve ninety five, or something like that. I think it's something like that, and a I month. think you can also get a discount if you buy a year. Buy yeah. up front. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are my recommendations for the audio junkie in your life, and you added your um your preferred earbuds to the list. Um, anything else you want to add to that category? No, no. You do Scribd. I do Audible. I usually have a good idea of what I would mm-hmm. like to listen to. And they are, you know, if you don't like a book, you can always return it and they give you your credit back. Oh, that's nice. So I haven't, I haven't had an issue with them. And because it syncs with anything I check out from the library, like I can, it, it means that I can always look for an ebook version on the library and I have it on the go. That's been my preferred method. Um, I want to check out Libro FM though, just to have, just to check it out and see if I would like their service. But like I said, just because of the, the way that I use audio, it would probably be very difficult for me to make that switch. Okay. So what's your next category? Things for history buffs. And so my picks for those furious hours by Casey Sepp tells the story of Harper Lee and a case that she became engrossed with after she had written it to kill a mockingbird. I think she originally followed this trial, hoping that it was going to be her second book. It was a trial of an African-American man who is accused of killing a relative. And that relative had killed several other members of his family in insurance frauds. Basically, he was taking out policies on different relatives in his family. And it was speculated that he murdered them for the insurance policies that he took out on them. So she goes and she covers this case is kind of about her struggles in writing something after she had written To Kill a Mockingbird. Of course, we know that, you know, this novel has never published. I don't even know if they're sure where it is, but it it delves a lot into her process. But it's told in three parts. You know, the first part is about the man who was accused of murdering his family. And it talks about the insurance policies at the time. Um, it really goes into the historical weeds of this town in Alabama, how the economy was structured. At one point, part of the town was flooded in order to make a dam. So it really gets into the history of this place. You know, so I guess if you don't want to go deep into the weeds of the history, I kind of found it really fascinating to see how the insurance industry developed and why people decided they needed insurance and how religion played a role in that. So it goes a lot into into things that if you're looking for a story that's about Harper Lee herself, it's not solely that. Like her section, she has a section, her section is the last section of the book, but the other two sections deal with the insurance fraud or the insurance murders and also the lawyer who decides to defend the man who ultimately kills his relative after he has just, I guess, killed one too many people in their family. But I found it really fascinating. This is an excellent choice. And I would say Say Nothing, which is, is uh, a true story of murder 
in Northern Ireland. It is about Northern Ireland and the Troubles, as they they call it. Um, the full name of the book is Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. It kind of opens with the frame of this mother who is abducted from her children, never heard from again. She has, I think, like eight kids. And one day she's taken from her home and then just pulls back to go into how the IRA was formed, the different, some of the different players in the IRA and, you know, whether this conflict that took place over decades, you know, how they feel now about the murders that occurred and whether it really helped them to achieve, you know, was it worthwhile in achieving what they wanted as their goals? So I heard a lot about that book. I feel like it won, I think the New York Times best books of the year just came out this morning. I kind of flagged it as a news article and say nothing is on that list. It's really good. Yeah. I've definitely heard a lot about that book. Uh, I listened to them both on audio and some parts of it in on my Kindle app, but the audios are great for that. And uh, yeah, so that's for the history buffs on your list. Next up, I had Magic. The House at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman is just one of my favorite stories that is about this boy who returns to a childhood home that he lives in. There is a mysterious lake at the that are on the grounds of his property and some mysterious things have happened to him in his life. I think that if you are an adult who sort of likes adult fairy tales or fables, this one is a really good one. This book is beloved. It actually just came out with an illustrated edition that I was taking a flip through the pages. I don't know if it would work for me in terms of the illustration because I think a lot of the sort of the beauty and the detail of this book comes from your own imagination and it can be a kind of ambiguous, but I would definitely recommend that for anyone who's, who, who likes those more fabled, whimsical, magical stories. My other recommendation is a book club pick that we will, uh, get to next year in 2020. It's my pick ninth house by Lee Bardugo. Lee Bardugo has written, I think she's written a couple of YA series, one of which I read the Grisha trilogy, which was really intricate. And, you know, it's more like YA that's on the adult level. I would say more so than it's the middle grade, um, young teenage YA. So, this is her ninth house is her first foray into adult novels. And when I picked this for our book club pick, I don't think that I knew that it was going to be a trilogy. So Gail's going to read this. There are, there's lots of magical elements. It takes place in Yale. It is about the study of, it basically follows the society that's responsible for monitoring um, the other, the secret houses, the eating houses at Yale monitors their activities. And we're introduced to a young woman who has these special powers, which is why she's been sought after. She's involved in sort of a horrific crime. And she wakes up from this to discover that she's received a full ride to Yale. And of course, the reason it, you know, she wants to discover why she's been singled out and given this opportunity. And it kind of takes you 
into that world of secret societies and there's, there's magic involved. So, uh, hmm. that should be a fun bit. Okay. Book club so that's for us. people who like <laughs> magical realism, I guess. Is that the right, is that fair to call that category? Okay. All right. Yeah. My yeah. next category is for your friend who's super empathetic and listens to all of your drama and complaining and bullshit and is very good at, at sort of being there for you and, and helping you sort through the complicated stuff in your life. So I have a trio of family drama books that I think that person would enjoy. Um, they are The Dutch House, which I talked about on the show. They are Ask Again Yes, which I also talked about on the show. And then The Last Romantics by um, Tara Conklin, which we talked about earlier this year. Um, all three of those have complicated family dramas in them, and I found them absolutely irresistible. So if you have a friend who really like likes to listen and dig in and, and get into like motivations and help you understand how to navigate family stuff, I would give this trio of books with a big bow on it. And I think that would, would entertain him or her for many hours of 2020. All right. So I'm going to pile on to that because I think it fits like I had a category that was sort of called truly tragic. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I said, Oh, look, I was trying to put a more positive right, spin on combine it. Combine them with family stories. So I have Golden Child by Claire Adam, mm. which is the story about the divided politics in a family over two boy, two boys. They're twins. Um, one of them goes missing. One you could say is not as valuable to the family as the other. He's the one who goes missing uh, for different reasons. Maybe the family doesn't understand him. You know, he's a special needs child, and his brother is at the other end of the spectrum in terms of being a child that excels at school and, you know, the family feels will really do well. So when he's kidnapped, this family is divided along whether what it is they should do in terms of their kidnapping, the kidnapping, and they have to make some horrific choices with regards to that. Uh, it's set in Trinidad, so it's a different culture, and I think she does a very good job of describing that culture, the family din dynamics at play, and... I guess the misunderstandings that happen that continue or that contribute to this tragedy, but it was really good. That's the a, other novel great, that I would say great, uh, that was like, a, oh, good. Yeah. An intricate um, family novel, which basically takes on the United States and race relations. And uh, I would guess is a panorama, I guess, of the great migration up until today is the travelers by, Regina Porter, which is one of our book club picks over the summer, but it just does a very good job. It takes basically a white family and a black family loosely. We'll say, you know, it's a generational story that covers uh, their migration from the South. What some of the things that led to that, you know, goes into the different lifestyles and, and how they intertwine and how they're very similar. It is one of those stories. I think that is for someone who, really delves into a complex narrative because they're very, there are a lot of characters, the movie, the movie, the book goes back and forth in time. Some of the stories that you hear, it's not initially um, obvious how it relates to other stories that you're told, but it all comes together. So, you know, you really kind of have to be dedicated to keeping up with the story, but 
I think that was a good one for that. I think you'd like that book more than I did. Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't stay with me as much as I'd hoped it was. It would like, I was sort of scanning through lists of books, you know, for this to prepare for this show. And I came across that one and I sort of had to remind myself what it was about. Like it just didn't, I didn't hang out in my brain the way some of the other ones have. So your next category category was time travel. Mm. I read a couple of time travel novels that I really enjoyed. And then there is a novel that, that made the New York times best of the year list that I wanted to check out because it also is about time travel. Actually. So I have three books for this category, possibly four with the Tim Chang book. So my first one is time was, which is an interesting time travel novel because it takes place about around the time of world war two. And it's following these scientists who are working on time travel. And then one of them is basically becomes a traveler through time. And it is a love story. It is about two of the science, two male scientists who, who meet because they're working on this project. And of course their lives are affected in how they are able to connect over the years. So very off the beaten path, but I really enjoyed that story and it stays with me. My other one is Here and Now and Then by Mike Chen. And that is a story that's loosely about, it's set in San Francisco, um, a science, a time traveler who is part of, um, he's part of one of the government agencies who is tracking criminals, I guess, across time, but he becomes stranded in, in San Francisco and in, in like, what's present day San Francisco. He's from the future, I think from like 2049. And because he doesn't know any way to get home, he um, puts down roots, you know, he builds a family life there, but then he is like someone from his future comes back to retrieve him. And it's all about what he has to do in order to protect the life that he's built when he was stranded in the present. So uh, I really like that book. I want to read that. You've talked about I that think a lot. one of the things that I didn't like about it is that it got a little bit bogged down into the 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 tech. You know, it was it if you like science, it gets involved in the timelines and you know what's happening to your body as it goes through time and how old you are and how you're losing time. That part, you know, I don't know that I fully believed in it and it was difficult. You know, I would have had to expend a lot of energy in order to follow that. But I feel like you ignore that part and you just go for the family drama. And if you like that part, then, you know, then that's an interesting, interesting to consider. Mm -hmm. So the third book that I haven't read, but that I want to check out because it explores some of these themes of time travel The New York Times describes it as it's a collection of short stories, Um, but I want to read them because it says reading them feels like sitting at dinner with a friend who explains scientific theory to you without an ounce of condescension. So maybe if I read this, then I would understand some of the science and time was or have a, a more easy time following it. So it says that the stories are elegant. They present philosophical questions and 
it's nine stories that come full circle. So I'm really interested to read that. So it's called Exhalation. This by Ted Chang. Okay. I'm going to add a book to the time travel list. I haven't read it. I have it in the house, but I keep hearing about it. And even as recently as today, I was listening to the most recent episode of the currently reading podcast, and they have picked this book for a book club and both absolutely loved it. And it's called The Dream Daughter by Diane Chamberlain. I haven't read oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever read that book? I think we picked it up at Book Expo like last year. We did. Um, Mary, Mary thought it was really good too. Yeah, it's it. Mary part of one of the guests we had on. Oh the show right, early. right. Um, she really liked that. Yeah, I, I, it's got some um, time travel elements to it, and it's about a woman who is pregnant with a girl. I think she's in the seventies, and they the doctors determine that there's something wrong with this baby that she's not going to live. And then somebody comes to her and presents her with the opportunity to travel ahead in time to a, to a time when that issue can be corrected in, you know, in either in utero, utero or soon after birth or something. So I guess it's all about the, the choices she makes to go into whether she should do this or not. And I, I don't know. I, that's all I know about it, but everyone seems to love this book. So I'll add that to the time, time travel list. Okay. Okay. So, so what do you got next? My next book is, I have two recommendations. Can I just add one thing? Yeah, for, of course. To this? Let me just add the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. It's hard to classify. I wouldn't say that it's particularly time travel. Maybe I would put it into magic. I don't know that it's that either. Um, you read a book. I was listening to one of our shows where you were talking about um, this book that you read as a child. It was our show with Jay Ryan Straddle, and you were talking about something that was the book about some kids in a house, and they have to solve a murder mystery. The Westing Game? Yes. Okay, they're not kids, so, but yeah. Right, it's it's grown-ups, but yeah. It's grown-ups? Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, when I heard you talk about that book, I feel like this is something that you would really enjoy, and I think it's for adults who kind of want that when that kind of book that we read when we were, when you were younger that had different elements to it, you know, and this, every time this character wakes up, they're in the body of a different person. Mm. Um, there's a mystery to be solved. So like I said, I don't know that it goes with, I think it just doesn't go with any of our more traditional categories, like, you know, family dramas or anything like that, but it's definitely one of those just compelling mystery that has um, an angle that requires a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my next category is for your friend who is a total pop culture junkie. Um, I'm going to recommend, I've recommended this many times so far this year. I'm going to recommend the John Taylor memoir um, mm. by the, the bass player from um, Duran Duran called In the Pleasure Groove. If your friend likes 80s music or Duran Duran or just enjoys rock memoirs, I really enjoyed that one. That's going to be like top five for me for this year. And then the other pick is the um, Howard Stern book, Come Again, which is a collection of his interviews transcribed with lots and lots of famous people that you have heard of. 
And um, I just, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I've read various interviews sprinkled throughout. And I kind of want to just have some time to just sit down and read it all the way through. But I think it'd be a good pick for a pop culture junkie. It's probably something people would not necessarily buy for themselves, but they'd be really psyched to open. So my next category, which dovetails nicely with that one, I think, is the buzzy books of the year. Mm. Like your friend who wants to read the book that everyone is talking about. Mm -hmm. And in that category, I would put Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. It's all over the place. So that friend might have already heard of this book and is thinking about reading it. Um, it really speaks to a lot of, of issues that women are talking about or at the fr forefront of conversation these days. Um, I, you know, I think most of my issues as I think about this book, you know, I think it definitely works as a compelling narrative nonfiction book about these three women's lives and it reads like fiction. I think it's very easy to turn the pages. Um, some of it I did find, I guess, a little bit repetitive, but I would think that the main issues that I have with the book is how it was, how it was framed, which I don't think it lives up to how it was presented. I think it answers very different questions. It asks and it answers very different questions than what it was promoted to be, but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, I guess for what it is, it's very good and has offered a whole bunch of food for thought and is, you know, it's super buzzy. So, and I love a friend book. who loves books like that. Yeah. Gail loved it. I really did love it. Yeah. Lots of people love it. Yep. Um, my other book in that category is Malcolm Gladwell's talking to strangers. Um, I think that his books always end up being a conversation piece. I read this one and I felt like, um, the question that he's another one where I feel like the question that he sets out to answer, which is why people, you know, why we misunderstand strangers. I don't know that the premise actually holds or, um, he really wants to connect it to solving the Sandra Bland case, which was the African American woman who was basically pulled over by a Texas police officer who, because, you know, Malcolm Gladwell will concentrate on a law or a specific small thing that has, that produces big changes. So his concentration basically on the book is how people misunderstand each other because of a law that was enacted that makes people pull, makes police officers basically pull over citizens for it, things that um, are basically nuisances and use them to look for evidence of bigger crimes. And basically his premise is that she got caught up in all of that. And, you know, it led to her committing suicide when she was in jail. I really do think that he takes a very naive perspective that is not focusing on like just terrible racial issues that we have with police officers in this country. I think his, his argument, um, he makes some, speculations too about uh rape cases he he presents a number of different cases i think that are of interest to the public which made this book is an interesting read i definitely do not think that i agree with what he puts forth but it's just it was it was a fascinating read so you have to read it yourself and, and draw your own conclusions I'm going to add, I had a category which dovetails really nicely with yours. Um, mine was the person who reads all the hot books. 
So um, you've got yes. two hot books in the category. And my recommendation is actually not a book. It is a membership to Book of the Month. And the reason why I think that Book of the Month is worth it is that, first of all, sometimes Book of the Month gets books in advance. So if you've got someone who loves to read what's current and likes even more to get stuff that's early, they do get the opportunity sometimes to get books that haven't come out yet or that are coming out a month early in the Book of the Month edition. And then even the ones that are not early are still very current and What's nice, too, is that by being part of Book of the Month and the community, both on the website and like on the Facebook group, is you just get to hear the discussion about all the new books. So even if you pick one out of the five, you at least are aware of the other four and you get to know what it is about them that's made them buzzy. And then you've got that kind of currency and then you can, you know, opt to pick them, too. So I just think for people who really like to be on the forefront of new books and be aware of them and have some early access, uh, a book of the month membership is a, is a good gift. Nicole and I have discovered that our list of gifts is too long for one episode. So we're going to cut it off here. We still have many, many more gift ideas to discuss, and it's really still a good month before Christmas. So we have lots and lots of time to get in another episode of our gift guide. So we're going to stop. This is the end of part one of the 2019 Readerly Report gift guide. We will resume next week with another half with more gift ideas. So if you like what you heard here, be sure to tune in next time and we'll have lots more ideas for you. And until that time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Readerly Report can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.